Imagine you ask two people the same seven questions. I'm Mini Driver, and this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including Courtney Cox, Rob Delaney, Liz Fair, and many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From the Abraham Lincoln Radio Studio at the George Washington Broadcast Center. Jack Armstrong and Joe Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Joe Biden. Well, uh, thank you for that introduction. Uh, I want to thank Doug and Kamala. You know, uh, Jill, my wife, uh, her husband. You all think I'm kidding. No, I don't know what you're talking about. What? But, um, sit down, Uncle Joe. Sit down. <laughs> yes, I'll get you one glass of wine. One. Would you like some potato salad? But uh, none of that matters. But this matters. So, so it was a, some black history event thingy he's speaking at, and uh, and he, he dropped this line for whatever reason yesterday. I, I, I may be a white boy, but I'm not stupid. <laughs> I know where the power is. I hate that line of joshing around. I mean, what the hell is that? It is the most naked and humiliating sort of ass-kissing. I may be a white boy, but I'm not stupid. What the hell does that mean? I don't know. From the freaking president of the United States. You know, as I think about it, we ought to play this next clip just because I read about it yesterday at 17, uh, uh, Michael, because it gets back to, uh, well, this... This certain crowd out there that is for stoking racial divisions. Here's the president of the United States. Innocent men, women, children, hung by a noose from trees. Bodies burned, drowned, castrated. Their crimes, trying to vote, trying to go to school, trying to own a business, trying to preach the gospel. False, False accusations of murder, arson, robbery. Lynch for simply being black. Nothing more. With white crowds, white families gathered to celebrate the spectacle. 
taking pictures of the bodies and mailing them as postcards. Hard to believe, but that's what was done. And some people still want to do that. Ah, uh, really? Some Not people many. still want to do that? That would be a vanishingly small number. Why would you want to insinuate that just, you know, there's that's we're still close to that era? I mean, really? Why? To what, to what benefit? Race baiting politics in its rawest, most shameless form. Yeah. Got shameless. That is the word for our time. Hey, uh, I might be a white boy, but I'm not stupid. From the president of the United States. All right. Pl- play uh, 16 again, Michael. I, I may be a white boy, but I'm not stupid. <laughs> I know where the power is. Oh, I just I just swiped away from who gets credit for this. Fact check. He is both a white boy and stupid. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. Eh, we didn't need that. <laughs> Come on. Oh, boy. <clears throat> so uh, we've been talking a fair amount about the uh, energy department putting out word that they believe the lab leak in Wuhan is the most likely uh, origin of the COVID virus. And how that was uh, forbidden from most of your major social media companies. That very notion that it was leaked from the lab. They use the excuse that some people thought it was a bioweapon developed deliberately by the Chinese and unleashed on the people, and it was just too dangerous to even allow people to talk about that, even though there are many of us at the time saying, no, we're not talking about a bioweapon. We're talking about studying novel coronaviruses and sometimes enhancing them to study how to defeat them, and it leaked out of this notoriously lax-on-safety lab. But that, as we played you various clips, and we'll play some more, was just so dangerous and insane, we won't even permit it to be spoken. Well, there's a headline out uh, a couple of days ago from the Washington Examiner. The Biden administration's been accused of creating a gag policy for scientific research. Buried in the, quote, framework for federal scientific integrity policy and practice, released by the White House last week, uh, or last month, is language banning scientists from speaking without prior approval, and even then, only about certain topics. Essentially, if you get any federal funding, I think, um, let's see, where's the actual text? The rule, which is listed under a subhead reading, quote, ensuring the free flow of scientific information. Wow, how Orwellian is that? It outlines under what circumstances scientists can speak. Uh, Would anybody like to roll up the First Amendment into a nice tight ball and whack the Biden administration with it? Like it's a disobedient dog. Don't beat your dog, by the way. Anyway, uh, here's what it says. Agency scientists. Thank Thank you for that. It was a metaphor. Agency scientists shall refrain from making or publishing statements that should could be construed as being judgments of or recommendations on or any other federal agency government policy unless they have secured appropriate prior approval to do so. Such communications shall remain within the bounds of their scientific or technological findings unless specifically otherwise authorized. And they quote a bunch of different uh, professors and t- scientists saying, Uh, that's insane. You mean I can't go to a conference and give a speech on what we've found so far without the express written consent of the federal government? Which will never come because a lawyer's job is to say you better not. And they cite a bunch of different organizations that are uh, absolutely shocked by this, although the administration says there is no gag rule. We just want people to behave uh, responsibly. 
Well, keep in mind the lab leak theory when you appraise whether you think they're they're up to that task. Speaking of which, Dr. Dr. Marty Mackery is out uh, with a piece in the New York Post, and he's doing the the rounds on some uh, cable news outlets, too. Ten myths told by COVID experts and now debunked. Keeping in mind that you weren't even allowed to dispute these things, or you might be banned from Twitter or Facebook, or you might be outed as a conspiracy theorist and lose your job or what have you. I guess I'll we just, have a new clip from Macri. Do you want to hear that real quick? And then we fill sure. in what else uh, we don't have. 30, I guess, yeah. Michael. You couldn't have more information than you possibly could need to make a conclusion. The World Epicenter was five miles from this BLA-4 lab, one of the only in China. In 1977, there was a lab leak of an H1N1 strain from China that resulted in an epidemic of an influenza strain. The lab records were destroyed. The inspection before the COVID pandemic by U.S. officials said that the conditions were comparable to that of a dental clinic. And two top virologists told Dr. Fauci early on that they, th- that they thought a lab leak was likely. That is Dr. Michael Farzan and Robert Gary from Tulane. They both told him that because it was obvious and apparent from day one. Mm. You know, the fact that the media and, and, and entertainment complex and, and just left America was so fevered with Trump derangement syndrome is, is interesting to me and disturbing. But the part that really pisses me off, as I mentioned last hour, is that all of those people were running interference for the Chinese Communist Party, making sure nobody really looked into what they'd done and why they'd done it. I mean, they prevented with a stiff arm anybody from asking the really important questions. Even as they they whine and mule about human rights and slavery and reparations and the right, you have the greatest force for evil on the planet, and they were their lackeys out of Trump derangement syndrome. It's amazing. Anyway, real quick through Marty Macri's list: ten ways they misled Americans. These are the very people who claimed such godlike authority that they could censor you. And not everything that was said. I mean, uh, there was plenty that was said about COVID that was pure wackadoodle tree from the right or the alt-right or whatever you want to call it. It was wrong. I'm not defending it. I'm defending your right to speak and to ask the questions. Misinformation number one, natural immunity offers little protection compared to vaccinated immunity. We heard that over and over again. Uh, The Lancet looked at 65 major studies, 20 countries on natural immunity. They concluded it was at least as effective as the primary COVID vaccine, at least as effective. And uh, and others have said it's significantly more effective. Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up. I think that story just came out over the weekend from The Lancet that, yeah, the natural immunity is as effective in the... Uh, how much does that change the whole vaccine conversation? Yeah, and we'll, we'll get into that. Yeah, we'll have time to plow through this. Uh, and they mentioned in this piece in the New York Post, and this is such a great touch, since the Athenian plague of 430 B.C., it's been observed that those who recovered after infection were protected against severe disease if reinfected. So it's a recent scientific discovery. Uh, misinformation number two, masks prevent COVID transmission. Again, the giant meta-study, there's no compelling evidence that mask mandates did any good. That's not to say individually wearing a mask couldn't help you, but the mandates didn't do any good. Misinformation number three, you want to get pissed off again? Think about this. School closure, reduce COVID transmission. School closures, reduce COVID transmission. No. 
myocarditis from the vaccine is less common than from the infection. Uh, no, it turns out that there are many, many cases from the vaccine, although they, uh, quote-unquote, admit here in the New York Post uh, article something that several of my doctor friends had agreed on when we were playing golf one day, that most of the cases were subclinical, meaning you'd never even know they had them unless you tested for that specifically. They were harmless, essentially. Probably harmless. Probably. Uh, Number five, young people benefit from a vaccine booster. Yeah, young people just really weren't at risk in a significant way. Number six, vaccine mandates increased vaccination rates. They absolutely did not. And those uh, vaccination mandates often cost the careers of people who had natural immunity. And or... Since the vaccines didn't stop spread, any rationale that, well, you got to do this for the community, don't right. be selfish, get it done, that was false. There's no scientific basis for that. Yeah, that's that's what I fell for. That's yeah. what I fell for is the idea, well, I got, you know, I'm not worried about getting the disease, but I don't want to spread it to other people. Well, we were told with certainty that, uh, yeah, you get the, well, you know, we should have dug up the clips. Uh, yeah, you, uh, Fauci, Biden, yeah, you get the transmission or the, the vaccine. You can't transmit the disease anymore. Turned out to be completely false. Number seven, COVID originating from the Wuhan lab is a conspiracy theory. We've talked about that a fair amount. Uh, misinformation number eight, important to get the second dose with certain amount of timing. There just wasn't any science on that at the time. Uh, number nine, Dr. Ashish Jha famously said data on the bivalent vaccine is crystal clear. To date, there has still not been a randomized control trial of the bivalent uh, vaccine, the newer vaccines. Um, uh, and Dar- uh, Dr. Macri says, in my opinion, the data are crystal clear that young people should not get the bivalent vaccine. Um, and misinformation number 10, one in five people get long COVID. No, the Brits in a UK study, a big study, found that only about 3% of COVID patients had residual symptoms lasting 12 weeks. Although I know people who have them and it's really bad, but it's not very common. Oh, no. Well, uh, and I'm not denying it, but 3%, there, there are 340 million people in this country and probably 300 million of us got the COVID at some point. So that's a hell of a lot of people who, who have had a very awful long-term illness. And, and you know, my heart breaks for them. One I'm de- not denying it, but everything was always exaggerated and one size and one-sided to get everybody to cooperate. Yeah. So one out of 33 have long COVID? Roughly, yeah. Uh, I got the, I can't taste uh, uh, sugar, which is not really much of a cross to bear. <laughs> but if that counts, how many of the long COVIDs are not a big? I know somebody with long COVID, it's horrible. That They have horrible health problems. But, you know, people like me, it can't taste sugar. Whatever. I'll be all right. Unless you keep chasing it like you've been, you end up with diabetes. Yeah. Or, or, or grafted to my couch because I'm 1,200 pounds. There's that. Yeah. That, that'd be terrible. To be 1,200 pounds? We'd have to uh, <laughs> we'd have to move gear to your family room, I guess. Um, well, yeah, wherever the couch I'm grafted to is sitting, yes. Right. Have you chosen which couch? Or is this? Probably should pick a comfy couch if I'm going to yeah. get grafted to it. Oh boy. Okay. That's now I'm officially sickened. <laughs> I. You know what, folks? I was complicit. I egged him on. I apologize. <laughs> We've, we've got more on the way, and you can join us anytime on the text line 415-295-KFTC. Armstrong and Getty. Imagine you ask two people the same exact set of seven questions. I'm Minnie Driver. 
and this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including actress and star of the mega hit sitcom Friends, Courtney Cox. You can't go around it, so you just go through it. This is a roadblock. It's going to catch you down the road. Go through it. Deal with it. Comedian, writer, and star of the series Catastrophe, Rob Delaney. I shouldn't feel guilty about my son's death. He died of a brain tumor. It's part of what happens when your kid dies. Intellectually, you'll understand that it's not your fault, but you'll still feel guilty. Alt-rock icon, Liz Fair. That personal disaster wrote Guyville. So everything comes out of a dead end. And many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley, and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rocked the baby to sleep and slammed up. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's Rappaport's Reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're talking tea, we're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Here are some examples of what you'll hear from us on Rappaport's Reality Podcast. This is where we discuss all things reality TV, all things popular culture. And a little bit of... Rappaport's reality, the reality of bit. us. We're a figuring out. And if we had been recording these last four or five days, Ooh. it, it would have been, Ooh, a, been the podcast would have taken a, a, a left turn. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. The Armstrong and Getty Show. If you happen to watch Tucker Carlson last night, you saw that prosecutor in L.A. who's been suspended for misgendering a child molester. And it's a pretty interesting story all the way around. Um, We'll have that for you coming up next segment. Different court case, the case that has gotten so much attention all across America. is 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 it a whodunit? Or is it like OJ? It's more of a we know who did it. We want to see if they get found guilty. It was a who done it for a long. 
Uh, thanks, OJ. Uh, it was a whodunit. Now it's it's that. Uh, it's the second thing, I think. Uh, but there was some really powerful testimony, I guess, uh, yesterday. His brother was testifying. And on the stand, let's hear a little bit about that. Or We're talking about Murdoch, the Murdoch trial. Did we even oh, mention yeah. that? <laughs> yeah, sorry. We didn't get to the end of that sentence. Who probably killed his, uh, his wife and kid and a whole bunch of other crimes that he's confessed to throughout of his life. But his brother was on the stand yesterday. Alec Murdahl's defense team's final witness was one of his brothers who recalled the night of the murders. When we pulled up, I, I saw Alec. And I, what was his condition, Alex? Oh, he was, he was just broken. I mean, distraught. John Marvin Murdahl said he went back to the scene the next day after it was released by law enforcement. It had not been cleaned up, and I started cleaning. Mm. No mother or father or aunt or uncle should ever have to see and do what I did that day. It's the hardest thing I've ever been through in my life. The defense also called a witness who cast doubt on the prosecution's theory that Murdoch was the lone killer. My opinion is the totality of the evidence is more suggestive of a two-shooter scenario. Yeah, all that's crap. All that's crap. I mean, the, the poor uncle. I mean, that's a terrible human interest story, but that's got nothing to do with the guy's guilt or innocence. It was just a blatant ploy to get sympathy. The testimony that I think mattered was uh, Murdoch's old uh, law partner and close friend, who said uh, the same thing others have said. He got one story from Murdoch about, no, I wasn't down at the kennels at all, and I checked their pulses uh, before I called 911, and I turned them over, and blah, 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 and I, I couldn't believe it, so I went and called 911. Well, data from his car and cell phone records and the rest of that make it clear that that's impossible. The timing doesn't work. So now he says to his good old friend, yeah, yeah, that's right, I was there just seconds before they were murdered, and uh, yeah, I was checking their pulse while I was on the phone. Yeah, yeah, that's the ticket. I mean, the guy's such a liar. And why do you do that? Well, he would say, because I was paranoid, because I'm a pill addict. So they didn't allow evidence that would have shown he'd had uh, an affair or multiple affairs on his wife. They didn't allow that in the courtroom. Why? Too long ago, the judge said, and it would have been kind of, it would have confused the issues. Shocking to find out he cheated on his wife, though. Please. (laughs) Is there anything bad thing this guy didn't do? Just because he didn't get around to it. Uh, I noticed some of the media says Murdoch. Some of the media says Murdoch. In the courtroom, they're saying Murdoch. Why wouldn't you go with what they're saying in the courtroom? That's how the family pronounces it. Hmm. Armstrong and Getty. Imagine you ask two people the same exact set of seven questions. I'm Minnie Driver. And this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including actress and star of the mega hit sitcom Friends, Courtney Cox. You can't go around it, so you just go through it. This is a roadblock. It's going to catch you down the road. Go through it. Deal with it. Comedian, writer, and star of the series Catastrophe, Rob Delaney. I shouldn't feel guilty about my son's death. He died of a brain tumor. It's part of what happens when your kid dies. Intellectually, you'll understand that it's not your fault, but you'll still feel guilty. Alt-rock icon, Liz Fair. That personal disaster wrote Guyville. So everything comes out of a dead end. And many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers. 
I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rocked the baby to sleep and slammed up. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's Rappaport's Reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're talking tea, we're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Here are some examples of what you'll hear from us on Rappaport's Reality Podcast. This is where we discuss all things reality TV, all things popular culture. And a little bit of... Rappaport's reality, the reality of bit. us. We're a figuring out. And if we had been recording these last four or five days, Ooh. it, it would have been, Ooh, a, been the podcast juicy. would have taken a, a, a left turn. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. <laughs> The Armstrong and Getty Show. Don't worry about it. It's a strike, but they're going to plead. I'm going to plead out to it. I'm going to plead guilty. They're going to stick me on probation, and it's going to be dropped. It's going to be done. Done. I won't have to register. I won't have to nothing. For an offender, you don't have to register? I won't have to do none of that. So what are they going to do to you then? Nothing. If there is a next time I ever get in trouble, I'm leaving the state. I'm leaving the country. I ain't staying. (laughs) Remember that? Story from back in the day. That's this guy, Tubbs. He was in jail in L.A., and he was bragging about how he was going to get such a light sentence for molesting this girl because that weirdo district attorney, Gascon, wanted to try him as a child as opposed to an adult, even though he molested this girl when he was two weeks shy of turning 18 years old. He's a child rapist. Right. And there he was bragging about how he was going to get out early. Here's the prosecutor that was working on the case to try to keep this scumbag in jail last night on Tucker. So I was suspended because I did not use the preferred pronoun of a child molester when notifying the administration that I had evidence that James Tubbs was perpetrating a fraud on the court, playing the DA's office, and perpetrating a fraud in our justice system. So by notifying everybody that they're being played, I was punished because I did not use, you know, I hurt a child molester's feelings. 
by not using the correct pronoun. So there are many, many minutes of recorded phone calls with this guy, Tubbs, and I just said guy, so I don't know what kind of trouble I'm going to end up in there. Um, This guy, Tubbs, who, when he went to jail and decided, I don't like this whole being in a jail with a bunch of scary dudes, decided he uh, that he was a transgender, that he was a woman, so he got moved to a woman's facility. Well, this prosecutor says that the phone calls show that he was that he states out loud that it's a ruse, you know, that he's right. faking it so he wouldn't have to be in this scary jail with the dudes. Well, uh, presenting the evidence, this prosecutor referred to Tubbs as he, and Gascon was so upset by misgendering someone that he suspended the prosecutor, which is quite the story. Uh, this is reading from the National Review. L.A. District Attorney George Gascon has suspended a prosecutor for allegedly referring to a convicted child molester and suspected murderer now, haven't even gotten to that yet, by his birth name and the pronouns that corresponded to his sex rather than the name and pronouns he adopted after coming out as transgender. That assistic dis- assistant district attorney, Shay Sana, who served as the lead prosecutor in trying to prosecute Hannah Tubbs, is the name Please. now. Uh, argued in the past that jailhouse phone calls show that Tubbs was attempting to use gender identity to game the justice system. Uh, which, according to some reporting, made Gascon's office very uncomfortable. Well, I'm sure it did. I'm sure it did, since they're Marxist lunatics. Yeah. Um, and, and down on cramming all this critical gender theory down your throat. The child molestation case dates back to 2014 when Tubbs attacked a 10-year-old girl in a woman's bathroom. At the time, he was two weeks shy of 18 and identified as a male named James. Eight years passed before police arrested him with DNA evidence, so he got away with it for a long time. After pleading guilty, Tubbs, now 26 and going by the name Hannah, received a sentence of two years at a juvenile facility because Gascon's office declined to transfer the case to an adult court. So he gets out uh, early, and then fairly recently, he's accused of beating a homeless man to death with a brick. And so in his efforts to defraud the people of L.A. and the justice system and the rest of it, a prosecutor refers to him as a he, and now that's the bad guy in this story. It's enough to enrage a person. Isn't that something? And in this case, it's not just... I'm not going along with the calling them whatever pronouns they decide they want thing. That is, uh, you know, a bit of a landmine to step on, depending on where you are. Um, In this case, the prosecutor says, I'm going to show phone calls. I'm going to prove that this is a ruse. But he got suspended before we got that far. Well, and you can't use logic with these people. They reject it. They don't want to hear it. Partly, you know, the activist types like Gascon um, the revolution is going to come, the Marxist revolution, and, and any arguments against it, he has no interest in hearing. But it, it, practically everywhere in the world where they've decided, yes, well, we need to uh, let people who identify as a, a woman be in the woman's prison instead of the male's, 
That ends in disaster all the time. Well, it ends in people having sex and getting pregnant because it's frequently a scam and a ruse. And so there are plenty of places that are saying, yeah, this doesn't work at all. we got to come up with a different alternative. To have men go, pretend to be women and go to women's prisons is almost hilarious. It's so absurd. To have biological men compete against girls in the field of play in sports is obscene. And virtually everybody knows it. But this tiny class of activists is so savage and they so have the ear of the media they get uh, their influence is 10 times what it ought to be maybe 50 times i don't know so there's two controversial things here one is obviously the gender thing but also the uh two weeks shy of your 18th birthday now on one side of the argument you could say well you got to draw the line somewhere and drew the line at 18 so so if we decide two weeks shy counts as an adult, now we've got a new line. Two weeks shy of 18 is the is the new norm. Now what if you're four weeks shy? So uh, that whole thing. But does it usually sure. go by the how bad a crime it is? Yeah, it has to do with the, the nature of the crime, the depravity that was shown, the likelihood of reoffending. And I don't remember all the specifics of the uh, abuse, the attack on the girl, but I do remember it was pretty sickening. Right, I do also. Um, yeah, the guy goes to juvie for a little while, then comes out and beats a homeless man to death with a rock. How many times across the country in the modern world are we going to ignore people telling us what they're like and let them out of jail so they can do even worse stuff? In the name of this bizarre criminal justice reform or equity or... You know, income inequality, crap, whatever. Wow. Yeah, yeah I, I know. It is, uh, it's frustrating. The, the modern world is diseased in a lot of ways. And one of the primary diseases is that those who have the megaphone and the savagery to kill and hurt others, ruin their careers if they dare oppose them. I mean, they get a lot of influence. The idea that this prosecutor's the bad guy in this story is just... I know. I know. That's absolutely amazing. Well, okay, so let's let's go ahead and codify this. Let's jot down the rule and, and post it so everybody understands it. If there is a dude, not just a dude, but a child rapist, who says openly, I'm going to pretend uh, I, de- I identify as a woman so I can get away with more stuff, and you refer to that dude as a dude... You're suspended for your from your job because you've misgendered them. That's the rule now. Well, so I should add this in because this is pretty good. So Gascon responded to the recordings um, after they, you know, came out and like we played them and they got a lot of attention all across the country. After her sentencing in our case, because that's the way he talks, but I won't talk. Her. Yeah. Yep. Okay. After her sentencing in our case, I became aware of extremely troubling statements she made about her case, the resolution of it, and the young girl that she harmed. If we knew about her disregard for the harm she caused, we would have handled this case differently, because some of the tapes show her laughing about having molested that girl and how little she cared and that... Yeah. He cared and that sort of thing, which is just disgusting. So Gascon says he only found out about the tapes after the sentencing. This prosecutor who got suspended says George Gascon was in possession of all the evidence and knew or should have known of every statement by Tubbs that Tubbs made 
Um, and he still believes Tubbs should be tried uh, when he was trying to get Tubbs still tried as a juvenile. Gascon knew about all 250-plus jailhouse tapes and removed me from the case the night before the hearing when I was going to play the tapes because it would have outed his lies. Right. Yep. I remember that at the time. That's what's going on. You can use the excuse of the misgendering, which I'm sure he is bothered by because he believes in that sort of stuff. But um, if the tapes have been played, then you'd have to say, hey, why didn't you know about these tapes where the guy actually brags about molesting this girl and indicates that he was faking actually being a woman? You didn't know about that? Or did you know about that? So he just suspends the guy. Wow. That's a wow. troubling the situation. Pretext of the misgendering. And th- this this piece of, I you know what I almost used an unfortunate term, folks. Uh this piece of excrement survived the recall efforts and the rest yeah, of it. Yeah. Right. Cuz he's down with the uh the left. It's disgusting. It is pretty pretty awful. You know, I tell you what. You're an effeminate guy, you're a gay guy, you're a butch woman, you're lesbian, whatever, asexual, bisexual, trisexual. I don't care. I hope you have a happy life. I hope you find love, success in your career. I hope all of your human and and, and, uh, civil rights in the United States are upheld to the letter of the law. I want nothing but good for you. On the other hand, I am never going to call a piece of crap like this child rapist, she, just because he decides he's a she to benefit himself in the jail system. No blanking way am I going along with that. Because, and I read, I actually shared with y'all, it was months ago, a brilliant essay that was making clear, and I'll see if I can dig it up, getting you to play the pronoun game is the first step it makes you admit that critical gender theory, there's mm. no such thing as a man and a woman. It's all just a, a construct. There's no such thing as male and female, which is a bizarre and unsupportable notion. That's getting you to admit that they're right. Right. Oh, absolutely it is. It's dipping your toe in the pool. I'm not going in that damn pool. Of course. That is, that's a pretty good move. Pretty good move. Worked has worked pretty well too. Oh, it's just polite. I mean, to ask people their preferred pronouns than to use them. Oh yeah, okay. Now I've just admitted that critical uh, gender theory has something to it. Uh, interesting stuff. You can text us anytime you want. Four one five two nine five KFTC. I've been wanting to touch on the new rules of baseball. Is baseball season's about to come out? Do you know about this? Uh, I know something about it. Yeah, kind of interesting. And uh, a couple of sports notes that aren't really sports. Uh, among other things on the way. Stay with us. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Oh, man, I mean, this is a little... I'm about to make a big adjustment. I might be 0-1 down a lot, a lot this year, man. It's it's, it's super fast. Um, There's definitely an adjustment period is going to be, but uh, we're not in the history books. So catchers and pitchers reported the spring training last week. We're getting closer to Major League Baseball season, usually around April 1st that kicks off. But they got new rules this year that I had somehow missed out, including a like a shot clock for pitchers to keep the game moving along, which I think we've complained about that one for many years. Yes, yeah, absolutely. Plus, 
Uh, hitters get one timeout per plate appearance. So stepping out every damn pitch to readjust to every damn piece of equipment, you got to both arms, both yeah. legs, and the rest of it. That's over. Yeah. Yes. That, that was that was a dumb, like, nervous tick that had grown over the years where Barry Bonds or Derek Cheater, at, after each pitch, even if they didn't swing, you just right. looked at one, you'd back off undo your elbow pad, undo your bicep pad, undo your knee pad, your ankle pad, everything that protects you from the pitcher being able to hurt you. Every pitch, and it took like a half an hour. <laughs> so yeah. I'm fine yeah. with that one. That one makes sense to me, although you just were hearing a guy say he's going to have to adjust who makes 300 and had signed a $350 million contract. Ooh. But the, so, what are some of the other rules, though? Anything? So, uh, four, four strikes. Four strikes? I like that. <laughs> no, no. At least no. one woman on each team. Oh, boy. Or someone who identifies as a woman. <laughs> Oh, let's see. Pitch timer, 15 seconds with the bases empty, 20 seconds with runners on. The hitter gets one timeout per plate appearance. 20 uh, seconds with runners on. That's way faster than it has been for decades now. Oh, yeah. that's You get the ball. You got 20 seconds to unleash that puppy. You can check the guy back a couple of times, but then you got to throw it. Wow. Pitchers get two disengagements. That's a pickoff attempt or a step off per batter. Has anybody figured out how much this is going to shorten a three-hour game? Probably quite a bit, I would think. Uh, it reduced uh, games by 25 minutes in the minors last year. On so it be like two and a half. Two and a half hours. And again, it's the pace. Or, or back to three hours and not three and a half. Right. But, but again, it's the pace more than the length. You don't notice the length. You do notice the pace, though. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, let's see. So, uh, again, we kind of glossed over that. Pitchers get two disengagements, can be stepping off the, the rubber or pickoff attempts per batter. Only two. And violations are a balk. The guy gets to advance a base. Another disengagement yelling to the hottie in the second row, I'm not going to marry you. <laughs> Limits on pickoff attempts led to a 26% increase in stolen base attempts in the minors. Uh, let's see. The infield shift where they put like everybody but the first baseman on one side of the field because the guy always pulls the ball, for instance. That is now illegal. You've got to have two infielders on either side of second base when the pitch that. is released. I don't get that. Just That just and, seems like and strategy. Let me, let me finish the rule before you comment. And all four infielders must both ha- have both feet within the infield when the pitcher is on the rubber. Yeah, see, that just seems like strategy to me. That's like figuring out a guy can't go to his left in the NBA, so you're not allowed to guard him on the other side. I mean, that's just... So yeah, he has to learn a new skill then. I don't love that rule. I agree with you. I think you're right. Um, it increased batting average and decreased strikeouts in the minors. Hmm. Yeah, I, I, I'm for more action because there are way too many strikeouts. But it's hard to argue... Look, dude pulls the ball all the time, so we're gonna we're gonna leave him a gigantic gap. If he even has a high schooler's ability to go the other way, here be our guest. Hit it over there. You can't, can you? That's just I don't I don't mind the shift, but it's illegal now. Uh, bigger bases. That's mostly so the, the people's legs and foot and spikes aren't so close together during a close play. Bigger bases. Engineer. How big? Six feet by six feet. Uh, from 15 inches square to 18 inches square. Hmm. Interesting. 
Um, something that's coming in the NBA, I didn't know. No, a, another sports note. I saw Charles Barkley talking about this the other day. There may be a lockout soon because they're about to have a, a big battle over uh, money because the NBA is making tons of money and the players think they can make mo- more. Barkley said he thinks the star players after this agreement are going to make between 70 and $100 million a year. Wow. <laughs> but... He wants some sort of rule where you got to play every game because it's such a hot thing now for the big stars to sit out 15, 20 games a season. So you as a fan, drop your money because LeBron's going to be in town, and that's one of the nights he decides he doesn't want to play or whoever. And that ain't cool at all. No, it's terrible. But unless it's so terrible, people don't buy tickets. Right. Eh. Right. Wah. Right. Wah. Uh, It's between the NBA and the Players Association and the fans. They'll find a sweet spot. God, that's a lot of money. It's unbelievable. I mean, especially considering there are how many thousands of guys get out of college every year who want those jobs and are pretty talented, too. Well, there's only like, what, 350 spots in the NBA or something like that? Not a lot. Yeah, yeah. It's free enterprise. Good for you. I picked the wrong business. Well, I think you could have picked that business if you wanted. (laughs) What are you trying to say? Just because I'm short, slow, white, and I got small hands, I couldn't play in the NBA? You're a racist is what you are. (laughs) You got to change your rules in the NBA. Make the basket smaller or bigger or use a square ball or something like that, like they're doing in baseball. I'm actually going down to uh, see some spring training games uh, next week, I think. Florida or Arizona? Uh, Florida, because my buddy, uh, the umpire, is uh, in the Grapefruit League. This year. After years and years of going to Arizona, he decided a little change of scene would be fun. I've done some Arizona. I've never done Florida. Nor have I. I'm excited. Yeah. And I guess he he texted me the other day. He had a plate job, and it was just hot AF, as the kids say these days. And they should stop saying that. Uh, So, oh, boy. If you like baseball and have never gone to spring training, it's awesome. It is really, really cool. Yeah, just a little more laid back, inexpensive, close up. It's fun. We do four hours of this show every single day. You probably don't hear them all. (laughs) If you want to hear any particular part of it, you can find uh, the podcast wherever you get your podcast. Look for Armstrong and Getty On Demand. And then we do Armstrong and Getty One More Thing, where we do another segment after this show. Way, way too much. For some reason. (laughs) It's Armstrong and Getty On Demand. Armstrong and Getty. Imagine you ask two people the same seven questions. I'm Minnie Driver, and this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including Courtney Cox, Rob Delaney, Liz Fair, and many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
More Than a Movie is back with season two. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.